Why do we even have negative emotions? What's the point of them? Do I have to feel sad and anxious? Well, yes, and you'll want to, but only if you learn how to turn your bad emotions good. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. I'm Munahashi, and welcome to the Toward Ihsan podcast, where I help empower you with guidance and clarity, enabling you to live a meaningful life free from anxiety, frustration, and burnout. Through this podcast, we embark on a journey of personal development, spirituality, and service-oriented living, aiming to transform ourselves and our communities for the better, for the better, for the better. Because this podcast is about, about you. you. The interesting thing about being a human in a sea of other humans is that in some shape or form, we have all experienced the same thing. Everyone's been sad at some point in their life or anxious or angry or frustrated or scared to different degrees. Yes, your, your heart might have a different skin and scent than mine, but I still see you. I still hear you. I understand what you're feeling. The emotions I want to talk about today are the negative ones. Like fear, anxiety, sadness, worry. The type of emotions that can run you into the ground. And you bottle it up and you bottle it up and you bottle it up until it explodes out of you. And in doing so, it snuffs out your light. And you're tired of it all. You're tired of feeling this way. And to cope, to somehow numb this pain or lessen the blow, you might start isolating. You might even give up on things that you loved doing before. And you ask, everything hurts. What is even the point? If you've asked that at some point in your life, know that I, I've asked that too and someone happened to hear me I was I was in an empty prayer room in the library at U, on U of T campus one day and I just turned 21 and I was going through it <laughs> I was so anxious so frustrated so overwhelmed so sad and I just I just whispered out in ang- anguish to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I was just like why why everything hurts and why what is even the point and i just i i buried my hands my face into my hands in that empty prayer room or so i thought it was empty it's quite easy to miss an entrance into a room if your hands are busy covering your eyes and it was a woman that had entered and she announced her presence when she answered me she was wearing a gray scarf with a leaf pattern and leather pants and to this day I cannot remember her name but I remember what she said it wasn't anything too special nothing overly poetic or mind-blowing it was just the truth and the truth is unoriginal she said the point 
is to reflect and respond appropriately. And I looked up and I was like, what? And she sits down and she goes, what's up with you? You feeling sad or something? <laughs> and I did something unusual for me. I opened up to a stranger and I told her about my problems with anxiety and fear and sadness. And she listened and she nodded. And then she solved my problem. And she said, emotions are not against us. They're for us. Pain, for example. Pain is meant to signal something to you. If you fall through the ice in a lake, the pain of losing so much of that heat and, and the extreme tightening of your blood vessels, that signals your body to get out of that situation immediately. The point is to reflect on the signal. Where is the pain coming from? What is happening? Where is the danger? And then react and respond. Get out, get out, get out. Fear works in the same way. It triggers your flight or fight response. It signals you that there is a danger here for you, whether you need to fight or run away to safety. In these two scenarios, pain is good. Fear is good. It's only our perception that makes them bad. And that lesson changed my life. I immediately started applying it to my life and I failed. I tried again and failed. I tried once more and failed. I, I really started hating this advice. It probably wasn't for me. It probably was for those, 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 those special high performing people that hear these beautiful one-liner advice sound bites and they write those blogs and those video testimonials of, of how if they could do it, you could do it too. And I, I call those people the just do it people, the Nike sponsors people. It actually got to a point where I took the just do it slogan as a personal attack. Mm -mm. Because just do it people don't get it. If I could just do it, if I could rationally think about my negative emotions and then use their signals to respond appropriately to my given situation, then I would. Why would I deliberately suffer if I could avoid it, if I could just do it? Because humans don't experience pain so simply. Here's the difference, okay? Let's use Pavlov's Bell experiment to explain this. If, pa like in Pavlov's experiment, every time a dog is made to hear the sound of a bell, it's served food. So dogs in the room, shake a little bell, ring a little bell, bring in the food. And this process continues, they keep on doing that, ring the bell, bring the food, until that dog begins to start salivating the second it hears the bell even if the food hasn't come yet. And it's done that because the, the dog became conditioned to the sound of the bell and associated it with food. So now instead of bell, food, salivate, it's second bell comes, salivate. So now let's replace that bell with pain. We know the experiment now, let's replace the bell with pain. So if someone comes into the study room and now instead of a bell, it's a man that kicks the dog, causing it pain. After a while, doing it enough times, that dog will start to associate that man with pain. And now he doesn't even have to kick the dog to get that same recall, to get that reaction out of the dog, that fear of apprehension, that anxiety. But the dog has to see the man in order to get scared. For humans, just the idea of pain, the memory of pain, is enough to bring up the fear and the anxiety and the grief. If you've just been bullied, 
You don't have to hear the taunts at this moment to crumple and hurt. Just the memory of the taunts is enough to make you curl up into a ball. If you've lost someone, you don't have to see their grave to tear up. Just their memory can. Even a happy memory can bring up that grief because it's the idea of losing them, of their absence now that hurts. How do you escape from pain when your brain can so easily bring up the source of that pain at a moment's notice? When just the memory, just the thought of someone can trigger a pain, not the actual thing or the person itself, but the idea of it, the thought. And that was the big issue for me with applying this reflect and respond advice. Because when you stub your toe against a corner, you can't respond to anything except that pain. It's really difficult when you're experiencing that shooting pain to think about anything but the intensity of that feeling itself. Same when you're extremely anxious or terrified or angry or depressed. You can't just do it. It's not that easy. And I couldn't find anyone who understood that. So I turned to the only one I knew who did. I turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I said, you know, you know, you know how much I try. You understand how I feel and I don't want to feel it anymore. I'm sick of missing out on things I care about. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be anxious. So help me, help me get rid of this and be who I want to be, who I am, just free, free from the burden of this pain. I want to change. How do I do that? And you know when you suddenly get an idea that's so brilliant and just in the mark and you excitedly share it with someone and they ask, oh my God, that is brilliant. How do you know how to do that? And you go, I don't know. I just got the idea. That's what happened to me. I got a thought without precedent. I was doing one plus one equals two. And then suddenly I'm doing logarithmic derivatives. And I, I used to think when that happened to me that it was just me. That was my, my mind clearing and focusing on solving my problem. And that, But now, I recognize it for what it was. It's hidayah. It's guidance. I asked Allah SWT for help. Whether I said it with from my, my tongue or from my heart, I asked for help. And I got help. I got guidance. So I listened to Allah Taala's guidance. And now I'm going to teach you what Allah taught me. And that is, Allah is Al-Khaliq, the creator. He made our manual and we come perfectly designed and pre-built with feelings. And Allah SWT didn't design us with feelings to torture us. Feelings have a critical function. Like that woman said in the, in the library, emotions are for you, not against you. And then Allah SWT made me think through this and I started imagining scenarios. And one scenario came to mind and it was, Remember when you stepped on the broken glass in the kitchen floor? If you didn't experience pain, you wouldn't have even known to stop and take care of your foot. You would have just continued walking on it and you may have injured it further. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, that's so true. So pain is important. It's a signal. Emotional pain is too. And so I, let's think on this because I was thinking on this. When I'm anxious about something, let's say the paper I have to write, 
or a podcast I have to record. For example, what does it tell me? That anxious feeling just tells me that I, I care about that thing. I care about that thing very much and it's important to me and I care about doing well. And then I was like, okay, well, I already knew I cared. I mean, I didn't realize how much I cared, but I knew I cared. And I was like, great. So I recognize what the signal is. I know what it's telling me. It's telling me I care. Well, all right, not mind blowing. But that feeling of anxious still didn't go away. And I was like, come on. And that was when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired me to look at a different example from a new lens. I was like, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was like, this girl's not getting it. Try this. So let's try this. And what I had started looking at, the lens I started looking at was imagining I had a three-year-old niece, just someone that I have so much mercy for to take care of and someone I love, okay? So just imagine my three-year-old niece going through the same thing, same bit of anxiety. Now, I don't have a niece, and if you ask me where I got the idea from, it's like I told you before. I don't know. I, I don't know. I know, and I don't know. But the idea was brilliant because just, just listen to what happened. I started to imagine my three-year-old niece going the same thing. Going through the same thing. And this little kid is drawing out this little project for her show and tell tomorrow. And so I'm doing my project in one scenario, and then she's doing hers. And we're both anxious and frustrated, and we both care so much. And in my scene where I'm in the anxiety chair, I am like a sergeant, a cruel sergeant. When it's me, I'm like pathetic. Do better. You can't sleep until you finish this tonight. You're a failure. This is trash. You can't let the world see this. Just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. With all that harsh criticism, the merciless scheduling, the threats. That's like... No wonder I kept on spiraling into anxiety with a drill sergeant like myself in my head. My God. And then I look over at the other scene where it's my niece in the anxiety chair. And now I'm watching over her shoulder. And with my three-year-old niece, though, I was patient. I was kind. I was compassionate. I was encouraging. It's okay, honey. I know it's frustrating, but you can do this. You'll get this. Don't worry. It just takes time. Keep on going. Take a breath. Keep on going. You're good. Go to sleep, honey. We'll work on this in the morning. Rest is important. Yes, you can cry. I know. I know. I know. I gave that kid all the grace and compassion and encouragement I should have given, been given myself. I let the kid be a kid. I let her be human. I let her let her, her feelings out gave him the space and we still got the work done i let the kid feel what she felt freely i gave her the space to do it and we got the work done we cried it out we screamed out our frustration we practiced our breathing we got eight hours of sleep we took our breaks we didn't skip meals somehow with my niece in this scenario when we get to feel when, like when we got to feel the emotion as it was meant to be felt without judgment and without squashing it, then it wasn't, oh my God, anxiety's here. The red alarm bells are going off and you call a SWAT team. It was more like, oh, 
anxiety's here. What's your report? And it goes, um, uh, we care. And you go, oh yeah? All right, better give myself some patience and grace then. And anxiety goes, thank you. That's all I asked. And, and that's what I learned from this inspired example. And the annoying thing is, I wasn't even special. My negative feelings didn't tell me any government secrets. It told me, I, it, like, it told me that I was like everybody else. I was human, a feeling machine that thinks. I have feelings, therefore I care about things. That's it. So unoriginal. But the truth is unoriginal. But also so annoying. <laughs> but putting such a simple label on the feeling, it turned down the intensity for me. And that was the key. Remember how I said when you stub your toe and you're in so much pain, you're, and just like you're in so much emotional pain, so anxious, so angry, so frustrated, so sad, you can't just do it? Well, that's true. You can't just do it when you're in intense pain or when you're extremely any other emotion or deeply depressed. No. The first step is to apply, like the first step in applying that reflect and respond idea is to turn down the intensity of that emotion. That's the first step. And that was the step that I was missing. Can't listen. I can't reflect. I can't respond when I'm feeling so intensely. So turn down the intensity of the emotion. And how you do that is when you stop trying to squash the emotion, to bury it, to pretend like you're not feeling it. Because when I just let that emotion be, like when I just let it have its space, the intensity goes down. Because here's what's going to happen if you don't do that. If you try not to feel or block an emotion. Number one, you are going to prolong it. And number two, you are going to intensify it and distort it abnormally. What do I mean by that? There was an experiment where they had these two groups of people. And one, they made watch, watch a sad movie and they told them to cry when they felt like it. In other words, feel sad when you feel sad. Don't try to bottle that emotion in any way. But for the second group, they made them watch the same sad movie, but this time they told them to squash any negative feelings. Don't allow yourself to feel sad. Bottle it up. Afterwards, they asked the two groups to describe how they, were, how they were feeling. And the first group, the one that allowed themselves to feel their emotions, they said they felt sad in the first 30 seconds from when that feeling started, and then they were over it. They're like, oh, and they let the feeling go, and it was 30 seconds and done. But the second group, the second group that prevented themselves from feeling, they reported feeling more sad after leaving the movie. And they felt sad for longer. So preventing yourself from feeling a negative feeling actually makes the negative feelings worse and makes it last longer. You've distorted the feeling. You've warped it abnormally. You've intensified it and turned it into something where it's no longer the thing it was supposed to be. Sadness is a signal that tells you you feel deeply about something. It signals where your values and your heart lies. And crying is a release for the intensity of that emotion. Letting, it, letting you feel it is the release of that emotion. And like, let, whether you cry or not, 
letting yourself feel, it releases the intensity. You paid more attention to that movie in that moment because it made you sad. That's that's what that feeling did. You're watching this movie, and and listen, it, in, in the case of a movie, it, it's a, it's a deliberate choice of the writers and the directors to make this an emotionally intense scene because it's important. Because emotions are important, okay? But the point is, it's supposed to have made you sad for 30 seconds, okay? That's it. And only because if you were letting your emotions be what they were supposed to be, if you were giving that emotion that space, it dissipates naturally. Give it its space. Let it give its report. Hello, I'm sadness. I'm here to tell you this. And you go, "Mm -hmm, okay. And you decide what to do with that, whether it's just all right, I see. So I'm going through this emotion. This means that I need to give myself some grace. It means I shouldn't push myself too hard. It means I just need to do this. Or it means, hey, I probably need to go talk to someone. You, you need to figure out what, okay, this is what the emotion is telling you. And then how do you respond? Okay, but give it its space and it dissipates naturally. This is the correct management of feelings. This is a good negative emotion. Try to squash that negative feeling. You've warped it from what it was. It doesn't dissipate. It festers. Now this is mismanagement of feelings and it is now a bad negative emotion. So that's what Allah SWT taught me. One, emotions are for you, not against you. There's a reason we feel and all, and all emotions, even negative emotions are good. That was the second thing. Emotions, all emotions are actually good for you because they have a function. Even negative emotions are good. The trade-off of a negative feeling is actually worth it because they are important for our survival and mental health is a part of that. And that's why emotions need the correct management to bring down their intensity so that you can listen to the signal that they are saying. It is with the mismanagement of emotions that they become bad. If you don't give the feeling the grace and the space to be felt, if you don't give it that time for the intensity to come down, you can't hear the signal enough to listen. And sometimes when you listen, the signal is not, hey, this is dangerous, run away or fight. Sometimes it's, hey, you really care about this thing. It's important to you. So treat it like it is. Give yourself some grace. Flip that into reflect and respond terms. Signal equals this is important. Response equals treat it and yourself with care. So I took these lessons with me in my life. And I failed. And if you're now wondering, what is even this woman? You tell me you learned how to manage anxiety and depression and all those negative emotions. And then you said you failed. And then you gave me all this good stuff. And then you said you failed again. What is even this woman? Well, love, I learned. Then I failed. Then I learned. Then I failed. And so will you. We're human. And human beings, they fall down. And they get up. And they fall down. And they get up. So now listen to me getting up. And use this for when you fall down and need to get up too. Why did I fall down? I mismanaged my emotions. There's a way to manage and there's a way to mismanage your emotions. And here's how not to manage your emotions. And this is something for you to practice avoiding. This is mismanagement. 
Mismanagement of emotions equals using negative coping mechanisms. How do you know if a coping mechanism you have is negative? Well, ask yourself this, these questions. Is your, coping is your coping mechanism negatively impacting your life? Is it stopping you from experiencing things and opportunities that align with your values? Is it causing you to isolate from family and friends? Is it impacting your health and your sleep negatively? Is it impacting your spirit spirituality and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negatively? Is it in direct opposition to your beliefs, your values, and in opposition to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants for you? If you've answered yes to one or more of these, you're, yeah, you're using a negative coping mechanism and therefore you're mismanaging your emotions. These coping me mechanisms are going to flip your good negative emotions into bad negative emotions. It will make them fester, not dissipate. And you cannot benefit from the signals it's relating to you. That's what's going to make you fall. Because there was a study where they were doing a focus group. And in the group, they had a bunch of people who suffered from depression. And, uh, and they also suffered from addiction as a result of negative coping mechanisms. So things like drugs, alcohol, smoking, etc. Um, and they asked this group, if you wanted to make your depression worse, what would you do? And all of them answered, I'd do what I'm doing right now. If I wanted to make my depression worse, I would continue to drink or I would continue to smoke or smoke more or I would do more drugs more often. And they were all shocked to realize that the words that were coming out of their own mouths, like to realize that the very same coping mechanisms that they had associated with taking the pain away was actually the torture mechanism they were using to make the pain worse and stay longer. Fester, not dissipate. Mismanagement, not management. Negative coping mechanisms, not positive coping mechanisms. You have to realize you are not special in your makeup as a human being. We all experience negative feelings. Even high performers. Those, those successful people you're impressed by, the just-do-iters, they all experience negative emotions just as much as you. They're just better at managing it. And they manage their emotions well because they use positive coping mechanisms. So what are the positive coping mechanisms? These are things like talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, talking to someone you trust, reading and reflecting on the Quran, salah, focused salah. You know, we have countless studies that have shown the benefits of focused meditation. What do you think you're doing in salah? And on top of that, in salah, in prayer, you are talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are reading the Quran and you are doing dhikr, remembrance, and you are supplicating and you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. It's like, it's like I need to have a whole episode on salah, on prayer and the power of salah and its impact on your life. But like, emotion, cause like emotions for salah, there's a reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed this upon us. There's so much benefit. So yeah, salah. Spending time with friends and family. Breathing exercises because that helps too. Regular exercising, which also brings up endorphins. Taking walks in nature. Doing activities that breed meaning in your life. Some of these things you can do immediately. 
you're feeling the negative emotion, immediately start doing this stuff. And others are practices that you keep as, as regular staples in your, in your calendar, in your life, to build resiliency against negative emotions. So there are things that you do time and time again. So when the storm hits, you're more resilient against those negative emotions. And listen, have you heard these things before? Probably. Hey, you know, you, you should spend time with friends and family and, and uh, make sure you don't isolate and exercise and take walks in nature and breathe and read Quran and talk to Allah SWT and pray. And mm, yeah, heard that before. But it's like I said at the beginning of this podcast, and I'll say it again. The truth is unoriginal. It's not meant to blow your mind. If the truth was so complicated, no one would be guided. You don't want the truth to be hard. You want the truth to be easy to understand. You want it to be unoriginal. Uncomplicated. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not abandon you to be lost. You have your manual for your makeup as a human being. It's the Quran. You have a guide. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have the perfect example on how to be the best version of a human. And that is the Prophet ﷺ, peace and blessings be upon him. And we have his sunnah and his hadith on the way he ﷺ lived his life. So yes, positive coping mechanisms. And I mentioned that some of these positive coping mechanisms build resilience against negative emotion. And this is one of the big benefits of positive coping mechanisms because resilience is so, so important for when, when the storm of negative emotions comes. It's one thing to tell yourself when you're anxious about going on stage to deliver a speech. Hey, it's okay. You can do this. You'll be fine. And if you don't believe that, if you don't trust enough in your ability to get through a difficult situation, you will crumble. And you will stop listening just like that. You can't manage anxiety like that. Because high performers, when they're anxious or afraid, they're still able to turn the dial on that intensity down. Because... They trust themselves enough to get through that difficult situation. But what if you don't trust yourself? What if you're not a seasoned public speaker and it's your first time and you're very, very nervous and anxious? What do you bank on then? What's your resiliency? I say it's fine. Cultivate trust in the strongest handhold in Allah SWT. Because if your confidence going on that stage comes from your competence, then you're not going to be competent everywhere. And in 100% of situations. But Allah SWT is. So you put in your effort. You put your best foot forward. You do everything that you can to prepare yourself for this speech. You do practice. Your script. You memorize. You test it with other people. And then you also practice reliance on Allah SWT. It's as the Nabi wasallam said. As he told us. When you, how do you, how, what is the actual way that you put your trust in Allah SWT. Is it, I have a camel in the desert and um, I'm scared that camel's going to get lost. And I say, okay, camel, I'm going to leave you and I trust in God that you're not going to get lost. No. The Prophet told us, tie your camel first and then put your trust in Allah SWT. Meaning, you do your part to make sure that you've you've done what you could and then the rest you leave up to Allah SWT. What's in your control, you take care of. And what's in Allah SWT is you give to Allah SWT. So you go into these difficult situations thinking, hey, I've done what I could. And where I'm at is where I'm at. And if I can't do this, Allah SWT can. And I trust that Allah will get me through it. 
you build this resilience through relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in salah, in prayer, in dua, with the Quran, during dhikr, during moments of reflection and gratitude. And you build this resilience through relying on your human supports too, with your family and your friends, and then further with your lifestyle, like cultivating a more healthy diet, exercising, making art, being creative. This helps so much, engaging with nature, breathing and focusing on the signals in your body. Pick and choose. They all work. These positive coping mechanisms are in the they're both in the moment strategies and they're also future building resiliencies that help you emotionally regulate the way you're meant to be. I would actually recommend uh, Wendy Suzuki's book, Good Anxiety, where she talks about using positive coping mechanisms as a sort of stress inoculation, like a vaccine where you essentially have built up resilience enough that managing bigger stresses starts to become easy because you can pull from your resilience piggy bank. And because you now manage your emotions well, you're actually able to use it as a fuel, as energy to move yourself towards positive actions that align with your dreams and your goals. Because when you go up on that stage and you're afraid and nervous, your internal stress response system is triggered. So your muscles, they flush with energy-rich blood. Your heart pumps far faster and you're more focused. And instead of using this energy to spiral in an anxiety wormhole, you can now benefit from the positive impact of these negative emotions, which in anxiety's case is actually productivity. So your muscles flush with energy-rich blood, your heart starts pumping faster, you're more focused. You, you use that to do your speech better. You use that to, to write your paper better. You use that to focus more. You use that like you're using all of this energy now instead of going ah, to squash it down. Instead of using all that to squash things down and freaking out, you use it now to actually do what you want to do. Anxiety is telling you this is important to you. And you're like, great, I'm going to use all this newfound energy to do what is important to me really well. Productivity. What a great positive, uh, positive impact of a negative emotion. And this is what Suzuki in her book calls good anxiety. You pull all that nervous energy into yourself to fuel you forward. And high performers do this all the time. And so can you, because that's what proper management of emotions can do. And it takes practice. That's part of being human. The Olympian still feels nervous starting their race. They just built up resilience and they've practiced managing the emotion well enough to get into the zone to do the work, to turn bad anxiety into good anxiety and use it to fuel their productivity. And that's the unoriginal truth I wanted to share with you today. So do this for me. The next time you have a bout of negative emotion, don't try to kill it. Don't turn away from it. Imagine it's your three-year-old niece or your best friend or your spouse, someone you have mercy for. And then have mercy for yourself. The way Allah SWT has mercy for you. And use the emotions for you, not against you. May Allah SWT make applying these lessons easy for you. May He grant you the resilience to get back up when you fall down. And may Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala help you taste the exhilaration of living in alignment to who you're meant to be and in being the best version of yourself. Amin. 
If you found this episode valuable, please consider subscribing and following the Toward Ascend podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. Till our next chat, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.